You good with that? Nailed it? Would you say you nailed that? Do you want to try it again? Uh, it is August 1994, and Stay, I Missed You by Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories is number seven on the Billboard Modern, Modern Rock chart. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is August 1994, and Stay... Parentheses, I Missed You, and parentheses, by Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories is number seven on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. And number one on the Billboard Top 40 Pop chart. Woo! Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I am Quillen. I'm Al. I'm Trav, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. This didn't reach number one on the Billboard Modern Rock. Beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in 1994. We're still explaining what the podcast is, though. I suppose so. Good, Good point. If Travis had looked ahead in the script, he would have seen that uh, before digging into the 1997 number ones, we've decided to spend some time discussing some non-number ones up to this point that are worth highlighting. Uh, Today we'll be talking about Lisa Loeb's stay, I don't want to say the parenthetical part, from the Reality Bites original motion picture soundtrack. The song was also included on her official debut album, Tales. Here's a clip. I only hear what I want to I don't listen hard Don't pay attention to the distance that you're running To anyone, anywhere I don't understand If you really care, I'm only hearing negative No, 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 no That was a mouthful and an earful that we just heard. So how do we feel about stay? I think we've let our, our thoughts and feelings uh, somewhat known in the past, but uh, we have the opportunity to, to dig a little deeper. So take it away, boys. Yeah, this is just a great song. It's a charming period piece. It's a, a really winning vocal performance. Um, and the curious thing is that this is something that is often kind of a pet peeve of mine, is sort of the structure of this song, where it kind of clumsily goes from one thing to the next. And, um, y- you know, she kind of sets up a main melody and chorus, but then she just kind of goes on and on. Um and the, the music kind of like it doesn't repeat a lot of ver- uh, melodies and the verses and the choruses, um, but they pull it off beautifully. Just kind of ranting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I'll also say that I, I like this music video a lot. Oh, and uh, this song has the very cool distinction of being the first pop number one by a completely unsigned artist. Trev? Yeah. I mean, what, what do you want? It's great. <laughs> is that is that it wow is that it why'd you, why'd you pick it. a perfect song there's nothing interesting to talk about it's just get a perfect mad about song. it i am get i am bad bro <laughs> what, 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 what do you want me to say oh it's perfect 
I've, how many times have I said that in this podcast? I don't know what to say. It's just perfect. It's just her delivery. Like, no one really sounded like her, del- like, mm-hmm. in her delivery. And um, I think, I, I'm surprised to hear you say, Alec, that it was clumsily written or arranged because it seemed so naturally like, mm-hmm. like, it seemed like it was all put together like a section at a time like it was like everything just like start to finish between like like vocals melody guitar parts um so naturally just like flowed from one part into the next with enough variety to keep it interesting the background harmonies and parts Mm. are just uh uh, man i don't know is that even is it even like uh, Let's no. talk about some bad songs. <laughs> there are some bad we songs did. on the we record. Did an episode ago. Hey, <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> like I said, I think that this song really pulls it off. But um, I think we'll see when we listen to the album that uh, there's definitely, definitely some um, some clumsy songwriting going on there. We'll talk about the album later. I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, Trev, you had plenty to say about it for complaining about having to talk about this song. Okay. You you did great. <laughs> um, I see where you're coming from, Alec. I think that structurally it's a little just kind of like it's a run on kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just like back and forth, back and forth between the two parts, basically. And for me, the... I don't know, like the, I guess the finger pick part is the chorus or the refrain or whatever. And the groovy part with the drums is the verse or whatever. And that's like the, like you were saying, Trav, like the vocal harmonies throughout all of that. Um, She sings with different, like every line is a different melody almost. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. she just is all over the place and, and every melody is like memorable and really, really good. And I love the groove. I love the drumming on it. Um, yeah. And this was probably the first time that I heard somebody sing like this. Where, like, everything up to this point was, like, Whitney Houston or Celine Dion. Like, if you were, like, uh, like a, a woman on the, on the pop charts or on the radio, it sounded like you better be an incredible singer. And Lisa mm. Loeb is an incredible singer, no. mm. but it's, it's, I see what you're saying. there's no like vibrato or like these runs or anything like that. It's yeah. just very like plain spoken. Yes. And, um, and at this point in my life, I hadn't heard anything like that. Um, there are, you know, other people who had done it, but, um, on on a like a a mainstream sort of scope like that was probably the first example of it Hmm. um i feel that i'm not surprised thinking back to where i was at in my life or like you know what kind of kid i was um back when this was a popular song it makes total sense to me that I loved this song then. And it makes sense to me that I love it now. Like, I think there was probably a time where I would have been embarrassed to have admitted that I love this song. Um, my, my love for it has never waned. I just like, I don't know, you know, it's like one of those songs that at a time, like maybe in high school and college when I like, it was important to me, I guess what people thought of me. 
I was maybe a little bit like wishy-washy on admitting to liking something like this, but uh, I don't feel any shame about that anymore. And like, I, it is kind of in line with <laughs> some other kind of artists and, and current musicians and artists that I, that I like. And um, yeah, I just, it's awesome. awesome it's inter- interesting that you say that because I don't think that there was ever a moment where this was embarrassing. Um, hmm. It was very, uh, I think it, we'll kind of talk about it later, but like the whole independent artist aspect of it made it, s- it seem like it had an extra edge to it. And I think everybody, like I was even kind of aware of it at the time when it came out, I feel like anyways, but um, yeah, it, it, uh, I've, I've felt the same way about this song for 25 years. Like it's never the, changed. That's great. Yeah. I, and like I said, I've always loved it, but I just feel, I, yeah, I don't know, maybe it has a certain like tone, a certain like wistfulness to it that like, I don't know, there are certain friends in my life that I, you know, at a certain age, I would have, had I said that I liked this song, they would have given me shit about it. You know? I mean, fuck that. I don't care about that anymore, but yeah. At a time I did. And it's, that's stupid. Yeah, it's curious that this song came out at a time, and it's like so um, emblematic of a time when sincerity was not uh, in fashion. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you guys have any thoughts on what the song might be about? I mean, it's uh, something about a relationship falling apart, and it seems like Lisa Loeb's perception or the speaker's perception is that... Uh, it's maybe because of some kind of self-centeredness or inability to listen. There's, a, you know, the lines like you say, I only hear what I want to. And uh, um, I don't listen hard. Uh, I'm only hearing negative. I don't pay attention. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's uh, maybe somebody who's self-involved and, and not clearly communicating. And there's... Uh, relationship is falling apart as a result it is kind of a shame that like the opening part has become so like sort of cliched because if you can get past those opening like like three notes on Mm. the guitar and the you say like once you get past that it like takes off but when you hear that there's like this sort of like i don't know like it's 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 just kind of like it, cliche is not the right word, but you hear it and you just kind of roll your eyes and go, Oh yeah, this song. Um, hmm. but like when it gets going, like there's so much momentum that is built from, from the, the sort of like ranting, like you guys mentioned as, I, I don't know if that's a good word, but like, you know, she's just winging yeah. it almost like ad libbing mm-hmm. through the whole thing. And there's just, uh, um, a really like solid spirit that happens through that. Um, I don't know what the song's about. <laughs> it's a, it's a really great breakup song. A yeah, great breakup song. Yeah. That's kind of my, my general take on it. It's just a, a breakup song. Yeah. With miscommunication, misunderstandings. Um, so we already touched on how this was a pop number one, despite, um her being a independent 
literally independent artist, not even on an independent record label. Um, it was also featured on the Reality Bites uh, movie soundtrack um, in 94. That's when the song was released. And then it was later featured on her debut album, Tales, which was credited to Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories, which my research led me to believe that that was a reference to J.D. Salinger's Nine Stories. Oh, that sounds right. Uh, Makes sense. Collection of short stories. Yeah, I've, I've <clears throat> Um... An interesting thing that I read was that um, Lisa Loeb was friends with Ethan Hawke. They um, lived like across the street from each other um, in New York. And um, Ethan Hawke kind of connected her or shared the song with Ben Stiller, who decided to use it um, for the ending credits scene, I believe, in Reality Bites. I've actually never seen um, Reality Bites. I've seen it. It's good. I have not. It's just it a 1994 uh, uh, Gen X movie. It is like the Gen X movie. Mm-hmm. Ben Stiller directed it? Yeah. Honey, pro- he appeared in it. Is this a comedy? <sighs> Dramedy. Mm-hmm. Is it pre-Ben Stiller show? Um. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. It was probably right around that time, maybe a little bit after. If it was 94, maybe he was, you know, making it during the Ben Stiller show. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, it is a, a weird soundtrack. It kind of jumps around between different eras for a while, like My Sharona is the first track. Uh <laughs> But I will say there is one excellent track that I discovered listening to this, and that is uh, Spin the Bottle by Juliana Hetfield, which is um, sort of describing, um, it's a, an interesting acoustic song that's sort of describing like a high school or even middle school Spin the Bottle party, uh, just hook after hook. Another song that kind of um, changes gears a couple times, but really awesome. Yeah, weird time signatures. Yeah, I think it's um, I I think think some of it's in five four. Interesting. Yeah, I see that the Posies and Dinosaur Junior were on it. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, the Dinosaur Junior song's not great. It's from um, Um, is it on Green Mind? Either Green Mind. Okay, it's on Green Mind. Uh, All I Want Is You by U2 is on this, and I think it was in the movie. I think I remember it being uh, like part of one of the scenes in the movie, and I remember like, like liking it. Yeah, like that's that. uh, that's a great song. You know, this time around, I've always liked that song, but listening back this time, I heard it as like uh, um, maybe the most Echo and the Bunnymen U2 song. Kind of sounds like it could be, with the orchestra and everything, sounds like it could be something from Ocean Rain. Oh, yeah. Sounds uh, particularly like that title track. I don't know if this is before or after Ocean Yeah, it was on Rattle and Hum, so, I mean, late 80s. 
Okay, so after oh, Ocean cool. Rain. So yeah, maybe got a, an Echo and the Bunny Men influence. Um, anything else about the Reality Bites soundtrack, y'all? I think there's a cameo by uh, Evan Dando in the movie, if I remember correctly. Really? With like Karen Duffy? Like they were like making a movie or like, it, no, it was a reality show, like a real world kind of show. God, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. That's how I remember it. They were like, Ben Stiller was produ- Ben Stiller's character was producing a uh, reality type show and Evan Dando and Karen Duffy were in it. Um, anyways, no <laughs> Lemonhead songs on it. No. But boy, are the Lemonheads good. Oh yeah. 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 Um, something that I was hoping, Trav, that maybe you could elaborate on or kind of talk about. Um, so Stay features two musicians from a band called Ida. Um, they're like a underground, I, I guess they're referred to as like a slow core band, um, kind of like slow, dynamic, very pretty um song arrangements and uh elizabeth mitchell from the band who was in i think lisa loeb like in a band with lisa loeb before all of this um and then uh dan littleton a guitarist from the band ida um both feature on this song i don't think they're on the whole album but um did you know about this trev like at any point um in your fandom of ida i know you were a fan of ida like, did you know about that connection, and and what are your thoughts? Yes. <laughs> does it make Does it make sense to you? Yes. <laughs> Elaborate, please. Oh, uh, in December 1993, they entered the studio on a cold December morning, and uh, <laughs> they played. I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> no, no, they, no. Like, what are like? Just so like okay so um gosh if this was 94 um i i love one ida album uh which is will you find me from the year 2000 um and i think it's just an absolutely perfect album super um well executed vocal harmonies very like sort of like delicate mm-hmm. uh instrumental playing like arrangements and things like that there's like roads like yeah yeah there's like Mm -hmm. acoustic guitar roads like brush drums um stuff like that and um man it's it's really like one of my all-time favorite albums um and so it, it makes total sense to you know when you hear the harmonies here when you hear the arrangements that i don't like that elizabeth mitchell and dan littleton would be a part of it based on that um their harmonies are incredible and um i'm i i don't know that elizabeth mitchell's harmony like her voice is involved in this song because she sings one one of the harmonies really according to okay wikipedia great great i would have assumed it was all lisa loeb yeah her voice is i'm assuming some of the oohs and ahs on the like for you know one of the later 
verses or whatever. Yeah, because the way her voice works with Dan Littleton <laughs> is like just perfect, like unbelievable. Mm. But it doesn't make much sense to have a male voice in the song. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, it's probably he, he just played guitar off. on it. I don't think he he contributed any vocals at all. He just played guitar. Yeah, is what I could tell. And so, uh, and I mean, they've been making music forever, and they continue yeah. to make music. I think, and they've made so many albums, and they're all really good. But it just like, if I like, it, it's up there with like Pink Moon and like like Strange Geometry by the clientele is like one of my mm-hmm. favorite, just like quiet, slow albums that are mm-hmm. just like perfect. Dan Littleton is not in the band anymore or like he, he left the band at some point, really, which is kind of crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. How um, could you continue? I mean, like, right, right. Yeah. I, so their first album came out in 94 as well. Um, the Ida's did, it was called tales of brave Ida. I've, I've never listened to it, but I, uh, I'm with you, Trav. I love, will you find me? I spent time with their second album, I Know About You, which came out in 1996. Yeah. And it's like, it's not as good, but it's like totally in the same um, spectrum of sound, like just delicate. It's probably a little bit more electric guitar and like a little more like um, plotting, like slow core like idaho or like even like early pedro the lion like Mm -hmm. kind of that kind of thing um less you know orchestrated and and um dynamic i guess yeah i think i had i think i had i know about you or 10 small places which was maybe after is that a, an album? Am I making Ten that up? Ten Small Places is the third album. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had one of those two, and it was just sort of like, yeah, this this isn't Will You Find Me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If you're, I don't know. If you like Stay, I think it's fair to say that like give give Will You Find Me by Ida a chance. For sure. For sure. Uh, look it up on Spotify um, because it's been kind of forgotten as mm-hmm. a, the classic album that it is. It's really mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Al, did you have any experience with that album? Uh, no, I am not oh. aware of having experienced it. Ida, one who is bored by this conversation. <laughs> wow. Okay, anything else worth mentioning about this damn song? No, let's move on to the video. Yeah, we can... We can go on to that. So my understanding is that uh, Ethan Hawke directed 
this music video. Oh, he he shot the video? He shot it. Oh, cool. Uh, I've expressed my affection for it numerous times where the camera swoops around and it could very easily be one take. I think there's one place where mm-hmm. the camera goes behind a pillar where they could have done a slice and they could have done a, um, a second shot. But it seems to all be one take um, going around this empty apartment. And uh, it's cinematically very impressive and um, I never want to uh, reduce an artist to this, but I guess we can add as a, a bonus note that um, Lisa Loeb is quite attractive in the music yeah. video. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite music videos that we've come across yet on this podcast. Like, I still think that Hand in My Pocket is my favorite, mm-hmm. but... Um, this is definitely up there, and yeah, when I was when I was a kid, I, I definitely had a had a crush on on Lisa Loeb. She was cute. Yep. Trev, did you hate the the music video? No, I don't have anything to add. That all sounds good. Cool. I'm on board. Uh, cosign. Cool. <laughs> Ethan Hawke was like uh like Jeff Buckley's doppelganger in this movie. I feel like, huh? Real hunky and uh, like uh, um, brooding. I just saw mm. Ethan Hawke uh, with Denzel Washington in the uh, <laughs> in the movie Training Day. Tell me all your thoughts on Training Day. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ethan Hawke in the the movie is in a band. Are they called the Reality Biters? <laughs> I wish. It's something about a bike, but they play Added Up by uh, Violent Femmes oh, in a bar. Cool. Um, All right. Should we move on and talk about the album Nails? I mean, Tales by Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. <laughs> the album called Nails, Nails by Lenny Dykstra. <laughs> What did you think of the album? So I was not convinced. Um, obviously, there are a couple singles from it that are very good sonically. I think that it's a really nice sound palette. You know, her voice and the uh, everything is well recorded and stuff like that. Um, I really, yeah. I think it's maybe the first time that I had listened to a Lisa Loeb album and I found that I did not particularly like her songwriting, particularly the lyrics. Um, I think the best example would be to talk about this song, Pulling Taffy, or maybe it's just called Taffy. Um, the second single from the yeah. album? Yeah. Or the, yeah, first single from so, the album, really. um, She's got this chorus, uh, actually, bottom line, you tell the truth sometimes. Sometimes you tell the truth, and then this like dramatic pause, like you're bump, bump, pulling taffy. And I don't, it's just kind of an example of something that happens pretty frequently on this record where I'm just kind of like, wait, what? Am I supposed to be noting a connection here? Is there a, is this like, are you... Talking about this is like this is a well-known idiom, the idea of like pulling taffy. I mean, I guess the idea that you're stretching the truth. Boom. Is she talking about stretching the truth, oh. stretching the taffy? 
No, I was going to say Taffy was uh, notable. I don't know why. It just kind of jumped out. And it wasn't because it was a great song, but it was like, okay, here's, here's a point where she's trying. Because this album was long, right? Mm-hmm. It felt really long. I think like 40, 42 minutes or something like that. Like not, <sighs> not the longest, but... How many songs? Thir- I think 13. Yeah, that's even? what I was going to say. Yeah. It felt really long. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but Taffy was like, and I mean, I like, I'm not quick to like compare uh, women musicians to other women mu- mu- musicians, but like Taffy sounded like Juliana Hatfield. a lot i think there were a couple songs i think there were a couple songs that had that vibe for sure yeah i i didn't feel it in any other way like i just thought on taffy like otherwise it seemed nothing like her Um, i can see a little bit in terms of like the sonic palette but i mean julianne hetfield's songs are tight they're super tight efficient uh, focused things um, with that perfect bubble mm. grunge yeah. sound palette. Taffy was my least favorite of the singles Agreed. Um, on the album for sure. And I, so I feel that the album is too many songs. Um, it is a sound that I, I like. I, I mean, a, the, the drums on the whole record sound great. Um, it's a really well-produced, well-recorded album. Um, variants and drum sounds from song to song. Um, it was There were more rock songs than I ever would have expected. I had never listened to this album all the way through before um, doing it for this episode. and um, So I was surprised by the louder rock songs. Um, some of the songs lyrically were a bit... Uh, not great. Al, I, I totally agree with you with your assessment on Taffy with the lyrics kind of being clumsy and um, just not really sure what she's saying. I felt Sandalwood, the some of the imagery in that was kind of whatever for me. Um, but overall, I don't know. It, it's got like that kind of nostalgic, like sentimental, mm-hmm. acoustic sound from the 90s that i think is cool and um i i i enjoyed the album i'll probably go back to it um i think overall i i really did like it i went into the album thinking that uh this is like you know she can sing the phone book and it's like gonna be amazing Mm -hmm. um but like by the time i got to sandalwood i realized that like a lot of these songs aren't good enough for her voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a that's a fine assessment. Yeah. 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 I think so. Okay. So we we talked about um, Taffy a little bit. Um, what about the uh, follow up single to that? Was do you sleep? Any any thoughts on on that one? It's good. It's a good song. 
It was on the charts at some point, wasn't it? Yes, we have it discussed it before. Twenty. Uh, yeah, I like. Do you sleep? Is fantastic. That would be a five star for me too. I don't wow. think it's equal to stay, but it's like still incredible. I don't think anything's equal to stay. Stay. Yeah. Sit. You gave away your rating. Yeah. Oh, I sorry. Think I think it's well known. <laughs> As if I haven't be, done that 12 times It was going to be a real surprise. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think it... Uh, I, I think that... So the, the third single, Waiting for Wednesday, which is even more upbeat, I would even say more so than Stay and the upbeat parts. Wait, Waiting for Wednesday is my number two on the album, for sure. I think it's yeah. a great, great single. Super real catchy. Nice. Mm. It kind of has a like a twangy like jangle pop like chimey guitar thing going on that i love like matthew Amazing sweet chorus yeah yeah it's almost like a power pop thing yeah yeah a little bit. see but yeah. that one has this weird uh songwriting choices too the chorus don't want to show you goodbye show you goodbye show you what who who is saying show you goodbye T- tell you goodbye say goodbye why show you goodbye i'm sorry i'll stop being the grammar police i never tell anybody goodbye oh yeah you show them goodbye i show them goodbye <laughs> show don't tell that's show a, don't a tell. Good, exactly. good rule of songwriting <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I I think that this album had a good run, a, a pretty good run of singles. Um, and non-album tracks, nothing really stuck out particularly to me. But I I did enjoy it overall. Trev, did you have any? I thought Hurricane uh, had its moments. Um, I think there were some string arrangements there that were really nice. I do want to say, I think within the context of the album, by the time you get to stay, which is the last track, yeah. Yeah. which I love, really and cool It has move. already been like in the public, to, has been like a, a very public popular song already for however long, almost two years, right? Yeah. A year. Yeah. Yeah. I love that time. move yeah. to put the, oh, the, yeah. the single at the end, hmm. but, but... By the time I got to it, it was like it carried all the baggage of the album tracks, and it wasn't nearly as enjoyable after having listened to the rest of the album. Um, That's fair. It's a much better standalone single. All right. Well, we're not really going to do the charts this week because we already talked about the charts for this week in our episode uh, Einstein on the Beach for an Eggman by Counting Crows. Um, Just a little reminder, Black Hole Sun was the mainstream rock number one. And of course, Stay, I Missed You was the Hot 100 number one. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, get started on rating. Stay, I Missed You by Lisa Loeb. I can start. Um, I give Stay 
I missed you. A rating of five realities that have bitten me. <laughs> perfect. It is. It's a perfect song, despite like uh, me wishing that the groovy full band parts were more frequent and and more prominent. Like took up more of the song. It's like perfect. Still, it's a it's a perfect song. Traff. Um, I can go next. I think Stay is the best song of the entire decade. Wow. Um, it's the best song of the 90s. I will really? give it. Yeah, totally. What's better? Some Sunny Day Real Estate song. <laughs> wow. Some, some Yola Tango song. Okay. No way, man. Stay. Number one. I think it's like, I mean, I guess I'm thinking of it in terms of singles. Um, sure. Uh, there are great songs from the 90s, just not oh. as great as Stay. <laughs> I give it five Dead Eye Dicks. <laughs> All right. I will give it oh, wow. five taffies that are being pulled. <laughs> <laughs> so Stay uh, joins the ranks of such elite thoughts on pod favorites as sour girl and uh, mm-hmm. um, man in the box <laughs> i can't believe we don't remember oh um strong enough <laughs> strong enough <laughs> oh yeah. yeah oh yeah that's good <laughs> Yeah, cause yeah, I remember. I remember uh, we talked about how we like perfect songs for the three of us are these like ballads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, "Stay" is not a full-on ballad, I guess, but yeah, we're softies. We're definitely yeah. softies. Yeah, cool. How would you? Uh, how would you rank those three? Uh, that's that's hard. Um, I would probably. Mm. Say strong enough, number one. Maybe stay number two and sour girl number three. And maybe sour girl number two and stay number three. Yeah. I think yeah. I would. But strong uh, enough, I think, is my oh. top of, the, of those three. I would do the same, but I would go uh, strong enough, sour girl, stay. My, I think my number two, the only thing that I, like the only thing that gave me pause about saying stay is my favorite song of the nineties is linger by the cranberries. Hmm. Um, but yeah, between those other two, uh, I'd probably go strong enough and then sour girl, not taking anything yeah. away from sour girl, which is, yeah. I mean, these are three amazing. perfect songs for us. So, I mean, all yeah. right, well, Thoughts on Pod is part of the Offshelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails uh, when we check them at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. You can listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. And next week... Uh, we will have our third and final hiatus special with uh, Cannonball by the Breeders. Bye. Fare thee well, young soldier. Young, young. <laughs> Fare thee well, young sojourner. <laughs> 
Did you say Jan? Yeah. Jan from afar? Goodbye. Okay. Bye. Bye.